Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Well-Lit Path. Glad you could join me again. I'm looking forward to our walk together today. We have been at it for six weeks now, uh, believe it or not. Uh, My prayer is that it's been as beneficial for you as it has for me. As always, I'll ask, how's your week been? I am pretty excited this week as we're headed to a family reunion. Uh, My family is kind of spread out across the U.S., and my sister and her husband are actually missionaries in Scotland. They're home on furlough, and we're getting together at my parents' house as a family for the first time in probably about four years. Uh, As I mentioned before, I grew up as a missionary kid, and I have three brothers, two sisters. I have two brothers who pastor. Uh, One is in Minnesota. One is in Wisconsin. My third brother is just a hard worker. He's been very successful in warehouse and logistics, the same as I have. Uh, I've got the one sister in Scotland, and then I have another sister that lives with her family in Illinois. My dad actually pastors a church in southern Illinois where he and my mom live, and that's where we'll be meeting uh, for our family reunion. We're pretty spread out. I definitely don't connect with them as much as I should, um, I'm sad to say. Um, But with all that being said, I'm really excited to see them. My brothers were my best friends growing up. And while we live very far apart now, when we get together, it's kind of like no time at all has passed. And since we're on the subject of family, like pray for your family. I know we all don't have great family situations, but I'm telling you, prayer can make any situation better. When we smother something in prayer, God actions one of two things, and sometimes both. He'll either use the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts, or he'll use the Holy Spirit to work in yours. You'll never know how God can work in the situation unless you take it to him in prayer. As we speak of prayer, I'd like to draw our attention to our passage this week in Psalm 5. Uh, David once again here pins a psalm or a song That's really a, it's a prayer of praise and worship to God. David worshiped frequently this way, and it should tell us something about how we worship. Every song we sing should be lifted up to him as a prayer. Whether it be a prayer of thanks, a prayer of supplication, or a prayer of praise, when we look at those, all our worship, all have a purpose. When I struggle with prayer in my life, and man, it seems to be my biggest struggle, I have to remind myself sometimes that even a song is a prayer if it's done in the right spirit. A song will sometimes lead to change in our heart that leads us to meaningful prayer, to a conversation with our Heavenly Father. You know, I think we think of prayer so skewed sometimes, I really believe. We think of it as us like bothering God for whatever reason. We need to understand, as I believe David understood, and we'll see that throughout the Psalms that he writes, that God just loves to hear from us. He loves to talk with us. He really just wants to be a part of our lives so he can work in us and through us. We're not a waste of time to him. He has time for each one of his children. And each one of us always gets his undivided attention. This is the God that we serve. So let's listen as David reminds us. 
Psalm 5, beginning in verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let those, all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him about as with a shield. Now, as we read through some of these prayers of David, it's, it's like he's in the habit of saying, hey, Lord, if you've got a minute, I like to talk. It's so strange to me that we have like this set way that we start prayers. Uh, I usually start with, dear Heavenly Father, but then, I mean, who else would I be addressing when I pray? When you're walking around your house and you approach someone to talk to them, do, do we say, oh, beloved wife, hearken to my words? Or we look, look and be like, child of my young age, I address you. And I've said it before, we should approach with reverence, reverence, but we should approach boldly. Why wouldn't it be okay to just start with, um, I'm dealing with some stuff. I need to talk. The Lord immediately knows we're talking to him. When Jesus gave us the pattern with which to address our Heavenly Father, it, it wasn't so much prescriptive as it was descriptive. Why would we not take it to mean, when you pray, be sure to pray to your Heavenly Father. That's the only person you should be praying to. And point your prayer to Him with your attitude and with your heart, not necessarily with your words, whether they're silent or spoken. Now, I would challenge you to try starting a prayer the way you would start a conversation with a good friend. I mean, whatever that may look like. And David here says, Lord, if you would, listen to my words. I, I know I'm not worthy, but would you consider these thoughts that I have? 
you know, how precious is it to know he not only hears our words, he also hears our thoughts. And how easy it is to just think with him, to dwell on him. Prayer is more than just words spoken. It's time spent communing with him. Lord, I was thinking, you know, I mean, you knew that thought that I had, but it sure is amazing how much you love me. Christian, knowing that our thoughts and prayers are always heard, it's really astounding when you think of it. And how we sell ourselves short and our God short when we all too frequent, infrequently avail ourselves of this blessed privilege. You know, David continues as he begs God to listen to the voice of his cry. It's like, I really need you right now. I know you're here. Could, could you just let me feel you're here? And sometimes when we go through our day, it's hard to feel his presence. Everything kind of muddles our tether to him. God, this world has, me, has got me feeling like I'm pretty far away. Would you just draw me close to you and listen for a moment? And how good is our God that kneels down and grabs our hands and he just says, go ahead. I'm listening. How close he is to us and how much he loves us to give us his all in that moment. And, and not only that, but to have the capacity to give us each that moment all at once if it's needed. What a God that we don't have to vie for his attention that you and I are no better than each other, and we're not only equal in his eyes, but equally deserving of his time, and each equally beneficiaries of his time as well. <laughs> what, what kind of God is this that we serve? I know it's so easy for me sometimes to forget how omni he is. We, we put God into this box so often and forget just how God he is. How small would God be if he only lived up to what we could understand and only ever measured up to our expectations? How worthy would he be of our worship if he were bound by the limitations of our imagination? David recognizes this and he lets God know that it's because he is so far beyond what we can imagine that it's to him alone we would even pray. Who else would we pray to? Who else could possibly measure up to the infinitesimal unknown capabilities of our God? Yet he allows us to know just enough about him to say, oh, wow. And then he reaches down and pulls up a chair next to us to listen. King, yes but not any king we could ever describe. Words just seem like so much garbage when faced with the daunting task of verbalizing all that our God is. A, a God whose name we still aren't really sure is being pronounced right. Jehovah, Yahweh, Yahashua. Only 
with the perfected tongue of a perfected body, will we know how to properly address him? But for now, Lord, my God. And not some strange king or God with whom we have no connection. He's my king, my God. Because as holy as he is, as high and mighty as he is, as far above all else and all things as he is, he says he is ours and we are his. Mine. Not in a selfish way, but in an incredulous way that I can confidently say, this God that I address, that I talk to, that I worship, He's personal. He's never so far off that he can't be reached. And in light of that, really, who else would I pray to? You'll hear my voice in the morning. This isn't David asking God to hear him or commanding God to hear him in the morning. This is David making a commitment. First thing in my morning, my first acknowledgement of time for the day, Lord, that belongs to you. Before my responsibilities start, before I undertake any task, I will speak to you first. How often would our day have been more than it was had we started in prayer? This is where I fail more often than I'd like to admit. Yet what is more important than talking to our God in our waking moments? What could be more precious than simply saying as we open our eyes, Lord, thanks for another day. Help me live it in a way that pleases you. To start our day in this attitude of prayer is like that, that text message chain you've got going on with your best friend or your spouse or your kid. You, it, immediately when you think of something, you just text it. Well, why don't we talk to God like that? Super cool thing just happened. Wanted to tell you about it, Lord. First thing when I wake up, Lord, you're going to hear from me. The language David uses here when he says he'll direct his prayer up is like, is like shooting an arrow with intent. Lord, I'm not just going to start talking to you out of habit or because I know that I should. I'm going to make it my priority to be intentional about giving you my day before it starts. You know, Martin Luther translates this verse, Lord, you want to hear my voice first thing in the morning, so early I will send myself to you and take conscious thought of who you are and who I am. And when we look at it in that light, we're not just giving him time in the morning. We're giving him our will for the day, our desires for the day, our life for the day. Lord, I'm putting myself in your presence for the day. Help me to live like it. Help me to be conscious of who I am in your sight and who you've made me to be in your salvation. And help me realize that you want to hear from me. You delight in hearing my voice. The God 
whose voice formed planets, delights to hear my voice. He wants to hear from me. And why? Well, he's not a God that takes pleasure in wickedness. Evil can't dwell with him. If we had not been made righteous in him, we couldn't even place ourselves in his presence. He takes pleasure in us and not in evil. Now, that doesn't speak to how good we are, but to how good his mercy and grace that allowed us to be made good enough to be in his presence. To me, to be made so completely whole that he wants to spend time with us. I think about how heartbreaking it must have been for God when Adam and Eve could no longer be in his immediate presence. The knowledge that it would happen made the actuality of it happening no less heartbreaking for our God. But then how triumphant the knowledge that he still made a way for it to happen for us to be in his immediate presence to make them righteous through the sacrifice he procured and then clothe them both physically and spiritually in the substitute he made for them. Evil couldn't dwell with him. So he made a way to cleanse evil and cause us to dwell with him in his righteousness. But the foolish that choose not to dwell in his righteousness, well, they won't stand before him. They can't even stand up to his gaze. In Psalm 53, David further comments on the fool when he exclaims that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It's hard to dwell in the sight of something if you don't believe in. Unfortunately for the fool, you know, God's existence isn't dependent upon his belief or unbelief. God has said of himself, I am. Existing independently of any predispositions and being his only prerequisite, truly the fool is accurately described as the one who doesn't believe. And this unbelief will be to his condemnation. It's because of his unbelief that he doesn't seek after God or acknowledge God's wisdom for his life. So instead, he works. Iniquity. Iniquity. To be constantly working vanity, working for and toward things that don't matter, that have no eternal impact. Iniquity. To put up false idols of self, money, sex, the next new experience. Self serving, constantly seeking gratification in everything but the one who can truly satisfy. And oh, how God hates the sins of the sinner. And the word hate used here is descriptive of the feeling that one would have toward an enemy. You know, God makes an enemy of no one. But how we will make an enemy of God by wallowing in and flaunting the sin that we decide to exist in. We make an enemy of God by being against his desires for good in our lives. And sinner, the good news is, is that having God as an ally is as simple as aligning with him by surrendering to his salvation and his wisdom for our lives. Being enemy, 
being his enemy only has one outcome. Destruction. In Revelation 21.8, it says the end of his enemy and his enemies. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And how this verse so accurately describes the end of David's depiction here. Them that speak leasing, the liar. Those that speak falsely. Who speaks more falsehood than the one who worships an idol? And to abhor? You know, Spurgeon marks how strong this word is used here. It's abominable, despised with a seething hatred for the one that is bloody and deceitful. And who else is this but the murderers, the whoremongers? If, and if one category fits, they all fit. Who's the sorcerer? Well, the one that deceives with remedies for your ailments. And who else the one that provides relief in the form of potions than the drug dealer? The underbelly of society that leads the dependency of so many to find an idol in that little G God called addiction. These people are those who have no fear of God, who choose not to believe in him and how the Lord finds them despicable. Destruction is their reward because they made an enemy of God despite his offer of redemption. As we move on to the next part, I got to kind of laugh a little with David. He says, but as for me, you know, Lord, by your mercy, I'm not an idiot. Because you made a way, I can come into your house. Because you've made me righteous, I can come into your presence. Lord, I'm not just starting every day with you. The fact that I start every day with you makes me even more joyful when I can come to meet with you in a public place and celebrate the mercy that brought me here. And I needed a multitude of mercy. And didn't we all, though? See, mercy is God withholding from us what we justly deserve. It's no coincidence that, Dave, coincidence that David's speaking of morning prayer here, and then later on in the Bible, the author of Lamentations writes in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. If his mercies were not new every morning, we'd, we'd run out of those pretty quick. Now stop and think for just a moment. I don't want to focus on a big, grand scale. He's shown us mercy. He's saved us. And Christian, we know that he has withheld a punishment we rightly deserve. 
but let's let's bring it down to kind of a micro view instead of a macro view. Let's make it a little more real. How much do you appreciate his mercy when you stop to reflect on how his mercy mitigated his wrath in your life just yesterday? Did we do anything to incur his wrath yesterday? You know, be real with yourself for a moment. Just lay aside how easily we justify ourselves and look, really look at your sin the way God would. How much mercy did he give you yesterday? It's a little overwhelming. Was it a multitude? Was it exponentially more than that? This is the only thing that allows us into his presence. This is his love for us. And I'll say again that you don't understand the weight of God's mercy and grace until you understand how depraved and naturally predispositioned to evil we really are. In this knowledge that his mercy is all that allows us to worship, we should be fearful, reverent, awestruck in wonderment at the potential of his wrath. And then that awe, that just causes us to worship. I mean, how can we not? Have we so quickly forgotten a minute ago when we recalled how much he exercised mercy toward us just yesterday? Is that not cause to worship? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? Of this, he is. Christian, worship. This is our God. This is who we pray to. Start your day in the morning with him and spend your entire day with him. Let your prayer life influence your worship life and get to know that his mercies are new. Don't just say it, don't just know it. Feel that his mercies are new. And carry with you the weight of appreciation that we cannot know the end of them. And then realize that it's no weight to carry at all, but instead it's a burden that we don't have to carry. You know, Lord, lead me in your righteousness. Because in my righteousness, I can't stand against the opposition. My righteousness fails and I give in to those foolish thoughts and I'm the idiot when I lean on my own righteousness and my own understanding. As I spend time, Lord, with you in prayer and I tune my heart to yours in worship, make these the things I'm doing as communion with you, the light that shows the way you want me to go. Reveal it to me. The further I move away from you, the less clear the way is. Lord, allow me to be so close to you that it's obvious 
which way you want me to go. See, I've walked my own path. Make your path apparent to me. It's hard to see the path when I haven't talked to you, when I haven't worshipped you. So Lord, help me get started right so I can continue right. When I look here as David starts talking about his enemies, while he may be speaking of enemies without, I see here an application to enemies within. In our flesh, we're not faithful to pray and worship. In our flesh, we make excuses for not praying and not worshiping him daily. No, we got up late. We're too busy in the morning. We're getting ready for work. And there's no faithfulness in our own mouth when we make excuses for ourselves to not commune with our God. And make no mistake, our inward part is very wicked. Our default position is to give in to sin, give in to temptation, give in to the easy way of not working on our relationship with a God who loved us enough to die for us. You know, Christian, don't fool yourself into believing that your flesh isn't wicked anymore because you're saved. Your flesh is still just as wicked. But greater is he that is in thee. We're nothing but sinners saved by grace. It's just so easy to give in to the temptation, not start our day with prayer and worship. And I should know. I do it most days. I'm guilty. And this psalm is just tearing all of my excuses apart. I don't know what, what you're getting out of all this, but I'm seeing how broken I am here and how just wicked my default is. And my throat just opens up and it, it speaks these empty, rotten things to my heart. Well, God will understand that you need to have breakfast and coffee instead of pray. Hey, you spend enough time in church and in study. Prayer and worship in the morning isn't that important. You know, we say these words to ourselves, and I say them to myself, and they just, in light of this psalm, they just sound hollow. And my own tongue builds up my ego. Hey, you're so involved in so many spiritual things that, it, I mean, it's like you pray and worship daily. And you do this podcast, and that's really spiritual, so that's probably enough spirituality a couple of days out of the week. You're, you're not doing too bad. You're more spiritual than a lot of other Christians. Yeah, I'm, I'm really good at making myself sound really Christian-y. And how much mercy has he shown me in those times? Destroy those parts of me, God. 
Like David's plea, let my excuses fall because their counsel is bad. In my multitude of transgressions, let your multitude of mercies cover them. Lord, I've rebelled against you. I've been disobedient to your desires. And I've made all these excuses based on my desires and how I want to redefine what you expect of me. Any excuse I've made is a direct violation of your commands. And if that's not rebellion, what is? Christian, are you here with me right now? I'm kind of hogging the psalm here, but are you with me? Do you see yourself here with me? How many excuses have you made for not getting with God and starting your day right? Are you like me? Do you have a rebellious heart that excuses you? It's revealing that David points out how unfaithful the enemies within are, yet God is faithful in the beginning of the psalm to hear and to hearken. We can't be faithful. It's not in us to be faithful. It's only in the power of an almighty God that saved us that we can find faithfulness and then exercise his faithfulness in our lives as he works through us. All right, Tom, you've, you've brought us down into the lows here in the middle. And believe me, I'm there. I'm, I'm right down there in that low with you. And then I remember, I've put my trust in him. He, de he defends me against even my enemies within. Do, do you remember? Do you remember putting your trust in him? You know, if you haven't, there's no better time to put your trust in him because he is all the things we are not. He's all the things that I'm not. But I put my trust in him. And that gives me a reason to rejoice. And not just kind of rejoice, shout for joy. I've put my trust in him. He wars with my flesh, and every time I start my day with him in prayer and worship, I make it all the more likely that he helps me conquer them today. He's my defender, and I love to say his name. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Your name is power. Your name is healing. And your name is life. There is no other name like yours. He blesses the righteous, not those who try to, try to dwell in their own righteousness, those who have been made truly righteous in him. Made righteous by recognizing that they're not so. And they can only be so by believing that Christ died for us. The Son of God died so that we could be righteous, justified, cleansed. What a blessing.
Stand in awe of the one who blesses us beyond measure more than we deserve. He who protects us like a shield all around from enemies without and enemies within. Wrap yourself in his presence and come to him first. Come to him often. You talk to him like a friend, like a confidant. How would your life change if you let him be the first person you want to share things with? As we walk this path of life with him, it's easy to know that everything that happens, he already knows what's going on. We know that he knows. And that hinders us sometimes from talking to him and sharing everything with him because he already knows, right? Let's just talk to him about it. Let him be our go-to for all the things that happen, good, bad, sad, funny. Tell him a joke. He's got a sense of humor. He made us after all. Uh, I hope you didn't find this week too personal. Uh, Psalm 5 really, really hit home for me. Now let's see how God can use next week to edify us together. I can't wait to get together again with God's word between us. <laughs>